0: Welcome to Right to Life of Michigan's Life Beat Podcast. Today we are doing a Faith in Life feature, and I'm actually joined today with our new Faith and Outreach Coordinator, Ken. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today.
1: It's great to be here. I'm so excited.
0: We are too, or I am too. Um So today we're just going to introduce Ken talk a little bit about what he hopes to do with the Faith in Life feature, give a little background on what he's done in the past, and just talk about a little bit of the work he's going to be doing moving forward. So just to get right into it, Ken, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Absolutely. So it's wonderful to be here at Right to Life. Um, I'm excited to be joining the team after having a chance to do a a lot of things prior to coming. Um, the Lord's allowed me to be engaged in full-time ministry for about 24 years. I've also had opportunity to be out in the business world. I ran, um, an insurance agency for 25 years, and that was a wonderful opportunity to get my, um, my feet really into a world other than just the church world and mix it up with all sorts of people. So that was great. Um, As I think about who I am and how to introduce myself, uh, one of the most important things about me is my family. I just love my family. Being with them is the best in the world. Um, And if I were to pick one thing that I would want to do with that family, it would be, camping love to camp although uh, some friends of mine tell me i don't camp that i glamp because my camper is a 32 foot home on wheels um i feel like i'm roughing it if i don't have cable you know Um, gotta have sewer gotta have water gotta have electricity otherwise i'm gonna stay home um And the best place to camp is anywhere there's a Sandy Lake, Michigan beach that you can get to pretty easily. Love spending time just sitting on the beach, staring at the water. Um, And that's, I think in a nutshell, me.
0: (laughs) Do you wanna tell them a little bit about maybe your previous work and how it has led you here?
1: Sure. When I was engaged in the first couple of churches that I was a part of, sometimes my entrepreneurial tendencies caused some questions among the church family about why are we doing that because we've never done it that way before. Um, When I got into the business world, I found out that those entrepreneurial tendencies were not just good, they were great because God gave me creative ideas and ways to um, uh, generate income, to grow the business, to make customers very happy with the customer service they were getting and so forth. So um, I, I think that being engaged in full-time ministry and helping to really understand the people um, and and uh, to be able just to get... Um, where they were comfortable sharing with me and with us being able to talk, Um, and then also plugging into the business world and learning to um, evaluate those entrepreneurial tendencies has put me in a place where I can hear it right to life, be creative about ways to engage the faith community. Um, The Church of Jesus Christ is um, so key to us being successful in moving the pro-life cause down the field. And it, my joy, my delight, and my opportunity is to in, find ways to engage, creatively engage that faith community so that um, we can continue to preserve and protect life from in conception to natural death.
0: And I guess that leads me into my next question, which is an important question. How did you become pro-life, I guess, or what made you become pro-life?
1: Sure. Um, that's probably a long answer, but I like to talk, so let's go for <laughs> it and see what happens. The
0: podcast. It's, it's a perfect. Podca- exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, back in 1972, um, uh, when the Supreme Court was taking up the issue of roe v wade Um, i remember my mom and i having heated discussions Um, i had been a a christian at that point for about six months so um, as any teenager you know everything you know i was 18 i knew it all (laughs) And so, um, was perfectly happy engaging my mom. She was, I'm thinking that probably women being able to have safe abortions was a good idea. Um,
0: that's what your mom thought. That's what my mom okay. thought.
1: She was not a believer at that point in time. Um, she became a believer later and now was in heaven waiting for the rest of us. Um, but, um, she just thought that that would be a good idea that for women to have to go you know the whole seedy story that's painted for us about backroom abortions and coat hangers and all sorts of frightening things that we live in a modern world and shouldn't women be able to choose to do something safe Um, and i wasn't really sure exactly why except that the holy spirit was in me now as a new believer and the holy spirit was saying no no that's life. We, we don't have the right to take away the life of somebody because they jaywalk in front of us on the street. Mm-hmm. We sure don't have the right to take the life of, of somebody who is um, absolutely innocent, absolutely defenseless uh, in a mom's womb. Um, so we debated about that quite a bit. Um, I remember being really disappointed when the Supreme Court said that it was okay any in uh, basically almost any time especially when the 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 doe decision came out that allowed abortion to take place for virtually any reason Mm -hmm. the health of the mother was so widely defined that there was basically no stopping it um so that was my early beginning, my early introduction to it. It, it sort of just stayed in me as a, um, a disappointment that this is happening. And every year um, during the Sanctity of Life Sunday uh, at the church where I would be attending and, and we would um, memorialize what had happened, uh, again, is like, I can't believe that this many babies have been taken. Um, then in um, 1984 i got to a church in hudsonville where i was the lead pastor and sanctity of human life sunday was just around the corner so i called right to life of michigan and um as it turns out Brian cusack had Mm -hmm. opportunity to come and i opened my pulpit up to him and he was only too happy to talk and talk and talk
0: (laughs) sounds about right
1: yep um but that began a wonderful relationship with brian we got together after that he came back to our uh, that church several times um and so the the um, support of the cause of life -life, pro-life continued to grow and grow in me uh with prop three this last year I, i just couldn't believe that somebody would want to embed in our constitution that We could just take a baby anytime for any reason. It just didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, again, began to heat it all up in me that life is so critical. And then reading articles about doctors who were deciding that um, this 68-year-old man who had um, CPD, um, his life really wasn't. That valuable anymore? He was never going to get over CPD, so shouldn't we just put him out of his misery? it's mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't we? What? I mean, the idea that we would decide that because he had a hard time catching his breath after going up a flight of stairs, his life should be over, seemed absolutely ridiculous to me. So again, um, the idea of life being so precious, both um, when it's in the womb, right up to the point where. Um, we see someone going um, on to their final reward. And it was really also um, confirmed in me as I sat there at my mom's bed watching her the last three weeks of her life. Um, And um, even though we knew she was on her way out, she knew she was on her way out, Even though her suffering was pretty significant and she would be eager to see the suffering stop and us see the suffering stop for her, still she fought for life. And as I watched her fight for life, even in that circumstance, I thought, see how precious life is, Mm -hmm. even when she knows she's going to go be with Jesus. So that part is covered. She knows that her family is okay with her going. So that part is covered. Still, the fight for life that God put in us was so strong that um, it it took her several weeks to just make that final step that the the folks that knew thought should only take a, a day or so. And again, I just keep seeing all these things kind of layering on one layer of a cake after another that compel me to say life is so valuable, so precious, defenseless people from one end of the spectrum to the other need to be protected and life needs to be valued. So I think that answers your question of why is pro-life and the cause of life important to me?
0: yeah and it answers my next question which was why did you decide to make pro-life activism pro-life work your full-time career Uh, i think that pretty much answers it though
1: it could although being that i'm a preacher with a microphone i can talk some more (laughs) if you'd like
0: of course be my guest (laughs) sure
1: um i am your guest exactly this is your office (laughs) i am your guest uh The reason that I wanted to find a way to partner with an organization that was promoting life is that my life has been invested in a lot of things. I'm 68 years old now. probably shouldn't say that right out loud. 68 years old, and I know that my uh, future uh, work uh, opportunities are probably 10, maybe 12 years that I'll be strong and able to keep working full-time and really go fighting after it, although our wonderful president, Barb, she's 82 and still fighting strong, so maybe I've got 20 years. (laughs) But um, as a baby boomer, one thing baby boomers don't want to do is go quietly into that dark night. We're going to go out with a bang and not with a fizzle. I want to go out with a bang. I want to make the last chapter of my life As significant if not more significant than the previous chapters I want to get back out on the stage one more time to do an encore performance and I want that performance to be in fighting for those that can't fight for themselves so I'm here I'm all in let's go
0: well we are so excited to have you join our office and to be working with you and to see what's to come in speaking about what's to come, what do you hope listeners will gain from the Faith in Life features that you will be doing in the future?
1: Sure. Um, I I want them first and foremost to be encouraged. Um, Those who oppose the pro-life agenda are very relentless. They just keep coming on this front and then as that front goes one way uh, when one way or another they come at us on another front and then another front and then another front um there's a relentlessness to that and as a pro-life person as a pro-life pastor as a pastor who's already so busy um there isn't enough time in the week to do all the things that a lot of congregations expect their pastor to have done by monday at noon Mm -hmm. um um, when you see just another attack and another attack on another front, it's easy to say, "I'm out. I I am just. I have to uh, go do something different. I can't keep um, expending energy on on something that doesn't seem to be." moving as quickly as we'd like it to move and so some pastors can get discouraged by all of that I want to encourage them to encourage them to say we're we are making progress is it all the progress we want no but we are making progress so Mm -hmm. let's together keep moving Um, that's how our opposition does it they do it together and they just keep coming let's us be infused with power and faith and hope by the Holy Spirit and let's just keep moving. So I want them to be encouraged. I want them to be informed. I want them to um, walk away going, well, there's an idea I hadn't thought about. There's um, a passage that I can preach on that I hadn't thought about. There's a, a way to involve people in praying for life that I hadn't thought about. Um, and we'll do that as, as I bring a few tidbits, but mostly as I go find pastors who are doing it. And we meet with them by way of these podcasts. And they talk about their heart, their passion, how they stay encouraged and how they stay moving forward In the whole process. So I'm hoping they'd be encouraged, hoping they'd be informed, Um, and I would guess, I would hope that they would be motivated, that being encouraged and being informed, they'd go, I can do this. I I can do this. I can't do everything. I can't do all the things, but I can pick this thing. I can do this one thing. Um, uh, You know, I can't go to all the rallies. I can't go to all the meetings. I can't go to all the stuff, but I can take a van load of people to the march for life in lansing on november 8th i can do that that's one thing i can do um i can fellowship with my church family that's going we would obviously share a passion for life we can enjoy a good time together um that's something i can do and so that they would be motivated and they'd be encouraged and they'd be informed
0: What would you say is the biggest challenge we are facing in the faith community and in regards to pro-life issues?
1: Sure. This is an answer that those pastors I wanted to encourage, they right now may feel like, well, that's not a very encouraging thing to say. But I think that the biggest challenge is, um, first of all, that pastors are, are busy, Mm -hmm. um seriously busy um uh, another challenge and we'll talk about this in future podcasts is uh, and and i hope to also talk about it uh, in small groups with pastors and face-to-face with pastors is that um, we as pastors are realizing that the church we were trained to minister to doesn't exist anymore Um, We were trained to teach in Sunday school and help create Sunday school curriculum and to do hospital visitation and preach messages and all that kind of a thing to the people that wanted to hear, you know, we imagined that they were like the deer panting for living water and that they would gather on Sunday panting for our words of wisdom that would roll off our tongues they're not doing that they're they are busy our church families are busy mm-hmm. and they are living in a, a postmodern world they're living in a post-christian world uh, a lot of times they're living in a very secular uh, with a very secular approach to a lot of things they're being if i can just be honest their minds are being numbed by hours with either TV or videos or video games. And so that's not the world that pastors were trained to interact with. Mm-hmm. So we, we're busy and we're not really sure how to successfully care for our church family. We love them. We're passionate about them. We pray for them, but we're not sure what to do. And, and um, coming with that is a little bit of fear what if I lose another 10 families from my church? There may not be enough people left to pay my salary. Um, in a larger church, what what if a, a group gets very upset and they begin some sort of a campaign to um, push me out the side door, give mm-hmm. me the left foot of fellowship? Um, and so pastors are like, I do I'm not looking for ways to make people angry. And pastors can be afraid that if I talk about politics, somehow the word politics has gotten dirty, um, even though it's just the way that we run our government and government has been established by God. But they're afraid of the politics part of it. And if they bring politics up, um, is the government going to come down on them? Are their church members going to come down on them? Um what might be the the upside and they go i don't know if there's enough upside for me to actually take any strong stands about life Mm -hmm. um, to preach messages from the word about life and and so i think that we have busy pastors who are tired who aren't sure exactly the best way forward and are afraid that if they go strong pro-life there may be some People who aren't so strong in their congregation that may push back. And so we can kind of take the path of least resistance. And that path of least resistance is going to lead to babies being killed, it's going to lead to senior citizens being euthanized. And um, we need to find the strength of Joshua and Caleb, you know, who are going to say, is the promised land filled with giants? Sure. Can we take it? If God's on our side, and he is. Mm-hmm. So I think that that um, those things may be some of the, the big challenges that are facing us right now. So
0: I know that we definitely did not get much of a response or as much of a response as we wanted to during Proposal 3 and our campaign to fight it um, from churches around Michigan. It was
1: embarrassing.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, to put it plainly, it was embarrassing. It was
1: embarrassing.
0: And so we're hoping that they'll somehow want to become involved now and see the need for it. Um, And I do think that what you were saying, a lot of the fear Fear of driving people away is a big reason that they don't want to bring this up. And so hopefully they can see that this is too important to ignore. Right. And hopefully with you working with them, um, they'll feel courageous. They'll feel supported. They'll feel... Empowered. Yes. Empowered. Yeah. Empowered. Yep. And I think because you were a pastor, you understand that feeling and you can... Mm -hmm relate to them and yeah I think that's going to be really helpful going forward
1: I hope so I hope that pastors will be willing to talk with me mm-hmm. um, and be willing to uh, I'm the kind of guy that a pastor can say whatever he wants to um, he can vent he can complain he can be frustrated and it will never go beyond the room where we talk it, I'm a safe guy Um, but I'm also a passionate guy and I'm going to find ways to encourage the pastors out there. Um, I I'm sure right now with this podcast, I'm preaching to the choir and you're all out there listening, going, yeah, let's go get them. Let's go get (laughs) them. Um, but if, if we can each just find one other pastor who may not be as gung ho as we are Mm -hmm. and encourage them with stories of our success and the very things I'm trying to do with this podcast of motivated and motivating informing and and encouraging if they could do that too with one person one other pastor over a cup of coffee or or something like that would be just be fantastic
0: well we're definitely excited to see what comes of it um just one more question i think you've probably already answered this but um how do you feel think your previous work as a pastor will help you succeed in this position? Maybe in a different way that you've already explained. Uh,
1: Pastors, I've I've sat in your chair. Um, I know that every buck stops at your desk. That if the custodians um, somehow forget to clean a restroom, you're gonna hear about it. It's your fault, your Mm -hmm. responsibility. Um, And so because I've been where you are, um, because I've thought through some of the issues that you're facing right now, I think that together we can encourage each other and together we can find the, the strength in our relationship with the Lord and from the truth of his word to take a stand for life so um, i've been there guys gals let's let's just come together and move the ball forward
0: well i think that's all of the questions that we have for you today and all the time that we have with for this uh, faith in life feature. Ken is going to be continuing to do these every month. And so I'm excited to see what you come up with and the new ideas that you have. Um, Me too. (laughs) Each person that we've had do these features takes a different approach. And it's kind of interesting to see what angle they come at or who they have join join us on the podcast. So I'm excited to see what's in the future for this podcast Um, and our next one will be a month from now so stay tuned Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and thank you for listening
1: and if I can just throw one thing in of course pray for me folks pray for me (laughs)
0: yes definitely Um,
1: I so desperately need your prayers for wisdom and understanding Um, things are moving so fast around here I'm trying to fly this thing while I build it so pray for me Thank you much.
0: Thank you, Ken, for joining us.